Welcome in to another episode of One of These Years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner, and uh, I think this is our first Victory Monday podcast. <laughs> I don't know we've recorded on a Monday, but uh, we've only had that is true. Yeah, two Victory wins Monday to Monday. talk about. Uh, this was... Yeah. I did not prepare for this one at all, <laughs> No, to be honest. I had no. no sense that that was coming from the Lions on Sunday. No, and you know, a little... Uh, Sneak peek for the listeners here, uh, inside baseball for you. I was actually, I wrote, I was there to write a Cardinals clinch the playoffs story. I was going to write about the Cardinals. Oops. <laughs> like, I was going to, you know, like, I took some time last week. Not as much as I told myself I was going to, but I did take some time last week to go back through some Cardinals stuff, what they did, you know, this season on offense. It was a lot of fun to watch them. And then they go out there and just lay a complete egg, and we had to completely revert. So, for the first time this year, really, I think, Chris, Campbell... Took someone's kneecap that mattered, bit it <laughs> yeah. off, and like threw it. That this was that right. That was the first time, and they've won before, and they had the tie. But like this, to me, this was the first time that they were like, "Oh, we caught somebody here. Like you're yeah. not, you weren't ready for this, and we know you're not ready for this, and we caught you." And they knew it like almost right away. Right. I mean, it was everything. I mean, that yeah. I just wrote it for. I was just looking back at the film and wrote a story right. off that, and it, like I wrote it, like that was a clinic. Like Aaron clinic. Glenn had yep. them totally off balance on defense. They ran a few of those play. Like the offensive line played well, so they were able to run the ball. But they mm-hmm. hit a couple of those throws where they like it seemed like they just knew every call the Cardinals were going to make on both sides yeah. of the well ball scouted. at all times. Like yep. they, it's just. Uh, you know, again, credit obviously to the players for executing it, but that a lot of that to me goes back to what the game plan was all week and what they had in place. I mean, they were just, it was really good. It started off like the first play of the game, golf dropped back to pass and held the ball for like 14 seconds and took a sack. You're like, right. all right, well, it's going to be one of those days. Right. And then everything else from there. Uh, was really, really good. And so, yeah, I mean, I think this was as much of a statement win as you can have when you're 2-11-1. and one. Like, that was yeah. that was sort of – and people kept asking Campbell and the players, like, that was sort of what they've been building to, I think, all year. Like, we can be this type of team if we play well. We don't shoot ourselves in the foot. And, and we saw it. I mean, the Cardinals were bad, but that was – Right. A lot of that was just the Lions doing what they wanted to do all day. Yeah, they outworked them, and they had they had an advantage in that game, a real one, and you know it worked into their favor and how they want to play. And I think that you, when you you know everyone saw the video, or I'm sure most people who listen to this show saw the video now of Campbell on uh, talking to the team in the locker room, like we said earlier, like you know when he said something like we did everything we said we wanted to do to that team, which when he said that to me, that's that sounded like they knew going into that game, like we are going to have a physical advantage with our offensive line. And we are going to have a physical advantage with our defensive backs and their receivers on the edge. They're not going to block us. So they exploited those two things, I think, and won the game with it. Like, I think that that's kind of how it went. You know, the the eight-minute drive to start the game completely derailed them, which was followed by the three and out, I should say. Those two things completely derailed the Cardinals. They were not the same after that. I mean, maybe that one more series, I think the second series was also three and out, Chris, right? And then they went and had another one. That might have been a first down somewhere sprinkled in, but it was a mess after that because the first quarter ends and it's 20 plays to three in favor of Detroit. And look, I think that this was a great example of all things that we've talked about all year kind of coming together, like you said just a minute ago. Like right down to, you know, Aaron Glenn showing another case of him really doing a very good job of scouting an opposing quarterback and devising a game plan to beat that guy. Like this was another example of that. Campbell. And the offensive staff, we're going to talk about Ben Johnson, I think, here in a second. Like, everybody kind of in concert doing what they had to do to win a game. And it all worked against a team that just didn't want to hang in the fight as long as Detroit did. And that was the result at the end of the day. The, the trick now is to get better as a roster so you can do that to people in September yeah. and October when it, when it will matter more. You know, of course, you still want to do it in December. But, like, that's the plan. That's how they want to win games. And you can beat people up pretty good doing it that way if you get good at it. I uh I tell you what I don't feel great about the Cardinals winning many don't. games <laughs> in January after right watching them. Uh, yeah, I mean it just yeah, feels like they soft. just got. I yeah. mean Campbell said at the end of the game, you know, talking about the aggressiveness, he said we knew going in that we had to, mm-hmm. you know, bottle up that quarterback and we had to hit him. 
And right. you saw that. I mean, that was, you know, the fir- that first opening drive, you mentioned the three and out. The Lions, it was third and four right away. The Lions were going to play like cover two and drop underneath in zone and just right. sort of play it straight up. And then they got a false start and it was third and nine and they brought a zone blitz. And it, Murray panicked, threw a pass to Rondale Moore. They lost a yard and they never got comfortable right. yes. again the entire game because it kept happening. The next third down, they brought a blitz with a different guy. And then the third down after that, they faked a blitz. And that was the one uh, Harris was, they just didn't block Charles Harris because they were like over, they were so worried about the blitz coming from the other side. And, and so it was just all, you know, they were in their heads, I think, the entire game. Oh, and yeah. in Murray's head especially because he big time just, I mean, that the Aura Worrier interception was like in slow motion. I mean, <laughs> it was a three-man rush. They dropped three guys, three, three guys underneath. Mm-hmm. It was two linebackers, and then Austin Bryant dropped back. And Murray was, I mean, he could have stood back there for like a minute and a half, and he looked like he had no idea what to do with right. the football, and he finally threw one. Outside, Get three guys and, open the other side, too, right. <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know, Oral Worry even said at the end of the game, it's a great like, play by money, though. I uh, I don't think AJ Green thought the ball was coming to him, he ran kind of a slow <laughs> route, he wasn't really, I don't think yeah, he, he was like an alert pass to yeah, come right. there, and yeah, right. and so Oral Worry <laughs> jumped it and made the great play in the pick, but yeah, I mean, it was just they really did that first drive was what an eight and a half, nine minutes, and it was a physical drive, and they converted on some third downs. and mm-hmm. And by the time they got the stop after the failed onside kick, you, you know, I didn't think they were going to go win. It was three to nothing at that point. Like I wasn't expecting them to win. Certainly not to win by eighteen. But you kind of had a sense already that, like, all right, if the Cardinals don't wake up here, exactly, this is going to be a tough day for them. Like it was like we were going to find out more about the Cardinals there in that little stretch because we knew already what the Lions were going to do. Right? It was like we knew they were going to be here for it the full way. And, and like Kingsbury talked about playing without fear, and I think that was probably the message that they needed on their end the most Arizona going forward here because the Lions played completely fearless. And before this gets lost, I do want to take a second to talk about, cause you were mentioning it, you know, with the pressure and everything that the Lions had defensively and Aaron Glenn, I think this is another example. And there's been a few this year, um, does a great job. I think of really scouting and scheming against, uh, mobile quarterbacks, We've seen this year guys that can run, guys that can escape the pocket. But by and large, I think he's done a nice job of scheming against individual players and kind of taking away or forcing them into bad habits. Like so, you were mentioning the the pressure. You know, everything they brought at Murray was it was a lot of the zero coverage pressure. So that means nobody back, right? That means everybody at the quarterback, right in your face. Okay, so that's right in your face with the contained rushes on the edge. Murray's, you know, unlike somebody like Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson's sort of reaction sometimes in those spots is to just like make a cut and go upfield and just go right at you. And then you're like, oh shit, like he's, you know, he's by me and gone, right? Like Tyler Murray's reaction oftentimes is to go backwards, as we've seen. If he can't get out horizontally, he'll go backwards and he will run, he will run 50 yards. That one, man. Right? Oh man. It's like a Tecmo Super Bowl drop, like just keep going. And he completed the one that was like a 20 yard pass. But I mean, that's his, you you know, he can do that. You don't want him doing that if you're the Cardinals. If you're the Lions, you want to create situations where that's sort of his reaction. And I think Aaron Glenn, he did a great job. Their plan with Lamar Jackson earlier this year of taking away some of his comfortabilities in terms of escaping the pocket really held up well. And I think this one will hold up well, too. It's probably not, you know, the first time anyone's done this to Kyler, but like it was a great plan again and very well executed, I think, across the board. This one probably easier right because they weren't it wasn't as much mixing coverages as much as it was just go get it yeah for this group uh they know what that means (laughs) like they have no problem they have no problem with that so yeah well done all the way around defensively yeah i mean i think that's that's a good parallel to draw is the defense against lamar and the defense against kyler just because of the types of quarterbacks that they are they're different but similar yeah yeah and i also think it's interesting because the one was in week three and the other one's now in week 15 and so you sort of see the progression of this defense and it you know, I was just actually just looking this up. Um, they blitzed on third downs against Baltimore. They blitzed 20% of the time, which is mm-hmm. a little above like their season average rate is like 15 or something like that. So it's a little above their their rate. Against Murray, they blitzed almost 50% of the time right. on third downs. And a lot of them, like you said, it was the cover right zero stuff. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the 
subplots here was that Will Harris started at outside cornerback, uh, right. and Campbell said, well, part of the reason we liked that was because of this particular matchup, and I think you brought it up in saying that the Cardinals receivers are, you know, they've got some long receivers and some fast receivers, but they don't have a lot of guys who are going to get up there and and hit you necessarily. No. And so Will Harris, he will do that. He'll get out there and he'll play physically. And he doesn't, it's not a situation where, you know, you necessarily, if you're going to bring all those zero blitzes, you're not asking a guy to cover for five seconds. You're asking right. him to hit someone at the line and stay on him for like half a second. And then the quarterback's got to go somewhere else. And so uh, it worked out. Will Harris made a really good play. Uh, one of the plays that I mentioned in the film review that should be up uh, Monday or Tuesday here on our site, um, the first and goal, their goal line stand right before the half. They tried to run a little like bubble screen out to Rondale Moore behind right. Christian Kirk and Zach Ertz came out to hit Harris. That was his block. And Harris just blew him up and then made right. the tackle. And that was yeah, the type of play right. that happened all day. The Lions day. were just, yeah. they, they were just tougher. I mean, they were tougher yeah. all day. I, I think, you know, it, it really kind of struck me as the game we're on. That's a great example. And there was another one that I saw where I'm not sure if it was Ertz or the other tight end that they, who's the other tight end? It wasn't, um, like whatever. It might've been Ertz. It might've been another one where they do the, it was a short yardage and they actually converted, but it was early in the game where instead of having the edge defend or the, uh, the tight ends on the wing, their block, whoever the edge player was like Charles Harris or whoever the other edge was, they did the thing where they kind of stood up and gave the little shake route and kind of like fake, like they were going to run a route to try to freeze the defensive end rather than block him. And they got a first down on that one. And I remember thinking to myself, like, that's not going to work for the rest of the game because they will just run your ass over. Like, that's how that's going to turn into. And I think this game for Aaron Glenn, it's a lot of credit to him. But also I think, I think Dan Campbell gets a lot for this too, because you know, he and uh, Kingsbury, I'm not sure. Are they, I don't know if they're friends, but I, I know that they, are in similar circles. Um, I think Dan Campbell knew exactly what Cliff Kingsbury's offense wants to do, the goal of it and everything else, why they run the ball the way they do and how they run it the way they run it, which is more a case of, you know, we want to make sure you're paying attention to all these gaps and, you know, all these things rather than we have to actually block them. It's, it's better for us if we confuse you rather than we actually have to block you. And the reaction to that is just go beat them up. And I think that, you know, we've seen this a few times this year where they've had good plans for opposing coaches, offensive coaches who are um, lauded, shall we say, for their creativity, and rightly so. And the Lions have done okay with that, I think, a couple times this year. And I think that's Aaron Glenn, but I also think that's that's Dan Campbell. I don't think Dan Campbell gets enough credit for how much football knowledge he has. We talked to so many guys. We've talked about this all year, back in the summer. Yep. But this was another one that reminded me of it, you know, where it was like, Dan, he knows he's... He knows these guys. He knows Kingsbury. I know that. And like that one, that's what struck me as much as anything, um, you know, watching the whole game, you know, kind of from a f full perspective of how they manage the entire game, right? Right from the very beginning, the opening drive all the way through and getting the stops and everything else. Yeah. I mean, it's really like a, like almost like a football game theory sort of uh, sure. idea here. Like this has been. We've seen the NFL go this direction where it's offenses like the, start to look a little more like that, like what Arizona mm -hmm. has, where it's speed and space and it's the quarterback yeah. who can move around a ton. And so the choices have been either you become one of those teams or you take it the other way and you right. become a team that can push around one of those teams. And the Lions clearly, I think, have made their choice <laughs> right. to be the latter team <laughs> right. and just don't have all the bodies in here to do it yet. Right. But exactly. you can see how it would work. You know, you can see the ways that they can get it done. Um, and I think you give, you know, it's, it sort of flies under the radar probably, but because, you know, Charles Harris had a huge game. It was mm. really incredible. The first, very first snap, Murray tried to keep one on his own read and Harris ran him down to the sideline and, and made the play. But, um, I think that D line as a whole played really well. Jalen yeah, Reeves may have been played maybe his awesome. best game as a lion. I mean, he yeah. was great and like, yeah. super active. They, they snuck a couple screen passes by him because everything the Lions were attacking on everything, but he right. was all over the place. Um, and so just a lot of those pieces in the front seven really stepped up and, and had good games too. So, I mean, that, and that's obviously part of it. Like you have, you can have the best game plan in the world, but if you guys right. go have a bad game, then uh, who knows? Or if you get behind, like if that first drive for the Lions goes three and out, 
you know, you're probably yeah. in a different spot it, all day. Right. And yeah. so you need right. to get the the edge on it early. But yeah, I mean, it was, I don't know. To me, it felt like, I don't want to like oversell what happened Sunday, but it felt like sort of a, it, it definitely felt like they turned a corner. Like they, they could see it now. This now Campbell yeah. always has his example to point to and say, yeah, this standard is what we can be right here. This is your standard of performance. This is your baseline. This is what it should be. This is what it's supposed to look like. Maybe not at every, like you're saying, Chris, like maybe not at every position, like down the road in a year or two, maybe you say, Hey, we'd, we'd like our corner to be a little better at this here and this particular spot. Right. But in terms of the plan, this is the plan. They want to drag it into a fight. Like, that's it, right? Like, I liken it to a little bit, like, it's not the same, but it's similar philosophy to kind of like how Baltimore plays, where it's like, if you want to fight with us, we are going to do that, and we're going to win, like, 80% of the time, because we're just going to beat you up. Like, you're not going to have the ability to sort of hang with us, because our our lines are going to be athletic enough to chase you down in space and take away those things that kind of trick a lot of those teams that we think of when we think of big, burly, you know, beat you up teams. The difference here is that Everybody they bring in here up front, as you've seen so far, is an athlete. They're not just a big dude who eats space or whatever. We talked about Levi all year and McNeil and these guys. Like they're athletes who we've seen how they can close down Derek Barnes and all the speed. Like this is a this is you can see the blueprint of where they want to go. We've seen that, you know, I think you and I have seen it pretty much all year, but I think this one should be for the real casual eye. This one should be like what you were saying a second ago, Chris, like the blueprint. This is how it should be. This is if everything goes the way that, you know, you want it to go, you should be able to get into a fight with teams like this and beat them. Like because you should have the guys at the spots you need them to be at, which is your lines, you know, a receiver like St. Brown, if your quarterback's disciplined, you got backs who are doing their job, you shouldn't have any problem. And that's kind of the blueprint here and you know, obviously that's easier said than done, but on a day like this, it can yeah. work pretty well. Well, so I wanted to ask just a little bit about the defensive scheme a little bit more because like if you play cover zero against Aaron Rodgers all game yeah he's gonna throw for 400 500 maybe (laughs) (laughs) so Kyler Murray they played cover zero a ton and Kingsbury even called it out in the postgame press like that was one of the reasons why they slowed us down and and like I said they had a few times where they showed blitz and then they dropped the linebackers were constantly lined Ooh, up over that a gap and then mm-hmm. either you know one would come or they'd both drop and they you know they were dropping defensive ends into coverage i guess why is that so difficult for some quarterbacks to deal with uh, you know like it, anzalone and reeves may have been dropping five yards underneath into coverage uh i don't know it just seemed like like we said murray never really right. got a feel for anything he was looking at it seemed like he was having a really difficult time processing stuff the entire day and so it wasn't like the lions rolled out some new blitz no one had ever seen before i mean teams have played cover zero before they've a lot of teams show that a gap pressure uh and then drop guys and but the lions were effective with it all day so i I guess like do you have any thoughts on why it works so particularly well i think a couple reasons you know their dedication to just completely sell out with it to just to just never go away from it Right. Like we talked about, you said more than 50 percent like that's buying in on third downs. And it was more than that, you know, on early downs, too. I mean, they bought into the plan of like we are going to come at him all game long. I don't care if he hits us for a couple. And the reason why it's a problem and the reason why it's different for a guy like Murray and a guy like Aaron Rodgers is because, you know, when you're bringing all of that at a quarterback, it's the ultimate test of the quarterback's pocket presence and like pocket quiet right their mm-hmm. ability to sort tom brady's like you would never zero blitz tom brady i would think right tom brady in his prime i don't know last night tom brady apparently i didn't watch the game <laughs> people are all hot about it but like good tom brady the tom brady we've all been watching for 30 however many years you'd never want to do that with a guy like that because he's going to take his steps he's going to stand there he's not going to move he doesn't care if he gets hit and he's going to deliver a ball to a wide open receiver somewhere down the field for a touchdown for a guy like murray who's five foot eleven right six foot who's not going to see well over the top of anything anyway. He's already having a problem with that. His, as we've talked about, like his sort of reaction with a lot of that is to go backward. So if you can sort of hem him in and use that to your advantage, I think if you completely sell out with it and say, look, our corners probably aren't good enough to get them all the way downfield anyway. And we, we do like what we have up front against the run. So if we sell out with that against a quarterback like this, I think 
it was just more about we have nothing to lose, so we might as well just do it all game. Yeah. Like that's what it felt like, right? Like they just weren't going to get out of that, it, no matter what happened. I don't know if you play it that way in a playoff game, but maybe you know. I don't know. Maybe you do because like the <laughs> yeah. way Aaron Glenn is calling defense, Chris. It's like it, you know, it reminds me a lot of how a, a corner would scout a receiver in man coverage, like the way we've talked with him before about how he looks at a player and finds their flaw or finds what they're not good at and just beats the shit out of it. Like that that's yeah. what right. that's what they do defensively. And you know, they've done it all year to a degree. You just haven't seen it because of the win loss record, but this was a great example of that, I thought. Yeah, I mean, Campbell said it uh, like this I think he said this is one of those games you either win or you lose by 50. By and 50. they were fine yeah. doing that. Like I think <laughs> right. they were yeah. okay to be in that space. Like you said, maybe if it's a fearless. Maybe yeah. if you're playing for the playoffs or you're in a playoff <laughs> right. game, you don't do that, but at 1-11 and 1 with the roster they have, the injuries they have, mm-hmm. they just decided let's just here's everything we got. Yeah. Deal with it. <laughs> and they never dealt with it and so you end up winning the game pretty comfortably. But yeah, I mean that's obviously the the danger of it uh is you're sort of daring teams to make big plays on you. Um, right. And the Cardinals just never did. Uh how concerned should Lions fans be that Aaron Glenn uh. is not going to be here next year? <laughs> oh, I think pretty I mean he's going to get an interview or two, at least one interview somewhere, right? I would think. Um I don't know. I mean, I would be concerned if I were a Lions fan. I would have been concerned weeks ago. Uh, I think he's going to get interviewed somewhere, but I, I I, don't know. I think for him, you know, it would depend on probably a lot of stuff, like, you know, how much say he has here and this, that, and the other. I know he and Campbell have a relationship, and I know that he is, you know, I, I think he's close to these players. I think he, you know, is it's some of them, maybe not all of them, but I think he's bought in with a lot of these guys and wants to see this project work out so I think that you have that for you but like yeah I mean I gotta think right like I mean you tell me he he doesn't have a lot of experience coordinator wise yeah but like and the win-loss record the numbers aren't going to be great it would be kind of a hard sell maybe depending on the fan base or the team or whatever but I, you know I mean like I would think he would get some interviews and I would think he would do well in them and I would think that at <laughs> at best you're not keeping him here for that long maybe another year or two but you know, I don't know how much longer than that I I think if the defense keeps going this direction, you probably have one more. I mean, maybe it's not like yeah. he's come out of nowhere either. You're right; he is a first, it's his first year as a coordinator, and so I think that 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 maybe holds him back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, I mean, he played in the league for 15 years. Right. He's been a coach for seven we or about eight he's been now. On the evaluation side, uh, yeah, like, yeah, right. He was a general manager in right. some indoor league. Like, Ridiculous. Yeah, he knows how to scout, scout players. The Jets. Yeah, like, like he's pretty much been everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. And so you could see it happening, especially you know, like as you start to hear some of these names uh, surfacing. Like, is Raheem Morris more interesting than Aaron Glenn right now? Is uh, I don't know. Like Gerard Mayo has, I've heard his name tossed out. He hasn't been coaching for that long in the Patriots system. Like is, yeah. Are these guys more appealing than Aaron Glenn? I don't know, man. Like the personality. I don't think so. No. Personality is <laughs> going to play as a head yeah. coach uh, and he'll do well in those interviews. If they, if he gets them, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, I don't, I mean, I definitely be concerned, but I think this is also part of, part of how Campbell wants this to happen to some extent like he doesn't want to lose Aaron Glenn but that's part of why you have right Aubrey gave him the job. in here right yeah and why yeah. you hired him in the first place and and why you gave Aaron about, a chance yeah right right and we like, keep talking about how good this staff is like I mean you could pick pretty much every any spot on the field and say well the coach coach is doing a pretty good job there Hank Fraley yeah. and Deuce Staley and all these guys is it pre- pleasant I mean it's you're going to lose someone at some point here right. to a bigger role. And so I think I mentioned, you know, I was talking to somebody on, on Twitter about this after the game Sunday, just back and forth with, with fans. And I said the the real key for me here is you need to time it so you don't lose Glenn oh. to a head coaching job and Pleasant to a defensive coordinator exactly. job at the same His time. His defensive coordinator, like right. You can't Which is what would happen. Both. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, right. So you have to make sure that you know where this thing's going. <laughs> like if Glenn's going to go or if Pleasant's going to go, you've yep. got to do your damnedest to hang on to the other guy because then you lose them both and that, that sets you back. But, I, I mean, I think this staff is sort of built to help yeah. propel guys up and to fill in the gaps behind them. So... 
This I don't know. Be... He, I think he should get interviewed. I think yeah, he definitely, I definitely should get think interviewed. he should. But I will say this: this this could be an interesting test for um, how organ, you know, how well how well together the front office is in the eyes of the staff and all that sort of thing. Like we know what their message is and we know what they pump out, but we don't know always the true thoughts of the guys who are on the ground, right? But like, let's say, let's say you know, Glenn gets a couple interviews and. And one team is who who is owned by like, some team who's just a complete mess, right? Whose ownership is a disaster. The GM sucks. Like it's a mess. It, is interested in him. If if it comes down to that and the Lions and he's bought in with sort of sure. like yeah. what's happening here. I mean, he's a Parce- Aaron Glenn is a Parcells guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. and so is Campbell. And you know, they're both Texas A and M guys. They're like, you know, they know each other. Real well, and go back a long way. And if Aaron Glenn thinks that they've got their shit together here, and the alternative is some place that doesn't, I think that the place that does have its stuff together would have a pretty decent chance, maybe more than you'd think, with sure. a guy like this. We don't know him super well, but I think the the way we've gotten to know him, I, I would ask you the same thing for your opinion on that. Like, as you sort of survey what jobs would be available for guys like this, I mean. I'm not. I mean, I think he should get interviews, but I, I also think on the other side, like, I, I don't think you hold it against the Lions if he left, but like, if he were to stay, I think that would say something too, you know, about where they're at. Not necessarily that it would say something if he left, because if it's a head coaching job, it's a head coaching job, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, I think that's a good point because it's all you, you know, there's only 32 jobs. Most of these coaches want to be head coaches at some point. Uh, yeah. And so when they, you know, one opens up. You'd think they'd all would be racing to get it, but we've seen before. Doesn't you know, you, you need to have. You don't want to go put yourself in a situation where you're going to be just be terrible for three years, not have any say over the personnel, and then get fired, and you're back to square one as, right. as a head yeah. coaching candidate. So I think, yeah, like if if the right circumstance is there, uh, sure. But I also think that, uh, you know, like we've been. Saying here, one year as a coordinator, what's your sell if you are a team that is not yeah, very good right. and you hire the defensive coordinator of a whatever two, yeah, fourteen and one team, three thirteen and one team, and people know Aaron Glenn's name, like he that would register, but exactly, it would have to be like that, a really confident owner, right, or somebody with like a proven yeah, background, right? And I think there could be some wait and see element here, yeah. you know, uh, just on everything with the Lions staff, mm-hmm. like maybe. T- the rest of the league wanting to get a feel for what's actually happening. Definitely. Here. But I, I think any time a performance like that happens, uh, I mean, people around the league have to have noticed what the Lions have done defensively this year with the personnel that they have. Absolutely. And that's a lot of that's going to fall back on, on Aaron Glenn's shoulders. And I think rightfully so. I mean, he's done a really good job this year. So I don't know. It's interesting. I, there could be some moving parts on this defense that kind of leads us over to the offense you mentioned ben johnson uh <laughs> is he your offensive coordinator in detroit next year i mean it sounds like he he has a chance maybe right it sounds like he'd be he'd be maybe he has maybe more of a chance than anthony lynn at this point i would maybe guess i don't know <laughs> um you know i uh i don't know but it's definitely been interesting right to see um what they've done with some of their passing concepts. And I know you were down there, you talked to some of the guys about all this and some of the creative things that they've done. And it's not just this game, but it all sort of showed up in this game because I think all of them hit. Like they t- like Campbell talked about that, I know, right? Like, you know, we took our shots early and they hit, right? We, we made them. Like we made our shots when they were there, the, the things that we dialed up and the things that we thought would work in this game. But the things that they dialed up and the things that they thought would work in this game were pretty cool, as opposed to we've seen in, in games prior where it's like, yeah. well, you know, I mean, like, it's it might have worked, but it wasn't anything that was going to catch anybody off guard in the slightest. So it was going to require perfect execution on every... So, I, I don't know. I mean, what were you hearing down there and sort of... You went back and watched everything again. Uh, what did you see, I guess, and what have you seen in these last couple of weeks uh, from the past game? And then... Also, I guess for those, I don't know if we've unpacked that whole thing, the dynamic of the Campbell-Johnson-Lynn situation there. I think, uh, I don't know the dynamic of the camp. I mean, every time we hear them talk about something cool they're doing on offense now, the answer has been, well, Ben Ben Johnson helped put that in. And and Amon Ra St. Brown said it again. 
you know, he said, don't quote me on it. I'm not 100% sure, and I'm going to quote him on it anyway. But, <laughs> like, the touchdown pass, he said, I think – Yeah, ben, right. yeah. He, said, he said Ben Johnson walked us through the install of it. I think he put it in the playbook. Sure. Um, and so certainly that tracks with everything else we've heard about what they've been doing. And I think, it, you know, it, it is a little tricky trying to pin down these moments when things started to turn, like – is it because Josh Reynolds is here now and Goff finally right. has a guy that Better he receiver. trusts at yep. that outside spot? Is it because they finally figured out how to use St. Brown and are just feeding him the ball 10 times a game now? He's all over the place. He had a mm-hmm. handoff. He was caught one out of the backfield. Like They're finally using him the way that they looked like they were going to use him when we were out there for training camp. The and that's year, yeah. unlocked a ton of stuff. Um, is it just Goff playing better, which I think is part of it for sure? So I, I think there's a lot of this stuff, but it, it all has kind of culminated over this like two or three week window when we know Ben Johnson is overseeing the passing attack. Right, exactly. And Anthony Lynn has been shifted into like helping with the run game and, and sort of general game plan stuff. And so I don't know that you can ignore that, and especially as we talk about what this is going to look like next year. I think there is mounting evidence for – Dan Campbell staying as your play caller and mm-hmm. having Ben Johnson be your OC coordinator or passing game coordinator or whatever you want to keep him. And Anthony Lynn probably is not on the staff anymore, but it feels like that's where. Yeah, that'd be my guess. Right? That would be my guess as we sit today. I mean, I don't, I don't know that Campbell wouldn't want us go. And if, if Lynn were to leave, I don't know that Campbell wouldn't want to go out and say, cause that's the thing I, I, I can't quite figure out. Is it, you know, is this a situation where Ben Johnson's coming up with all these like really, really, really good ideas that like no one had ever thought of before? Or is it a situation where Ben Johnson's just being like, why don't we take our best players and have them do what they're best at? <laughs> right. Because I think yeah, that right. might be what's happening here. So I don't want to totally simplify it completely and say that like Ben Johnson wouldn't be in the running, but I wouldn't also I, I also wouldn't want to kill that off and say like, you know, Campbell wouldn't if Lynn left, which very well may happen on its own because like he he got demoted here. I mean, like that. If he takes that as an emotion, and it's like, well, that we're not going to go in the direction I originally thought, and and that very well could be what's happening. I don't know that. And if he leaves, I wouldn't rule out Campbell looking somewhere else, you know, for another sure. person or whatever. But like, yeah, I would say that that feels about right right now. What you kind of described it as, because they're starting to call offense um, a lot like the way that Aaron Glenn calls defense. I think they're taking. It's matchups. It's stuff that we, yeah, like you said, Chris, it's stuff that we thought. And maybe, maybe Anthony Lynn is still more involved. I don't know. Maybe we're giving him less credit than we should be. But this, <laughs> these last couple of weeks has been more. And I think moving St. Brown around is a testament to that. They're, they're sort of like way of just like figuring it out. We got to just figure it out. Just figure it out. Whatever. We just do whatever. Everything's on the table. Figure it out. Their results in this environment offensively have been much better than they were in the exact same situation in the first six weeks of the season. When it was like you were trying to do something according to a plan that was no longer going to work and you needed to stop doing things according to that plan. But maybe there was some tension there about whether, you know, I don't know. But they've certainly gone more to this is now a week-to-week situation. We're working matchups sort of in-game, and you can see it happen every week now. So it makes a lot more sense what they're doing, I think, right? Like the, the stuff that they've been kind of cooking up, and obviously it's been working too. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I I don't know. It's another one where, like, two weeks ago, they looked awful against the Broncos. Um, and, And, you know, they obviously had a lot of... There are a lot of uh, circumstances beyond their control. It was there, a weird but, day, yeah. Um, you know, the Chicago Thanksgiving Day loss wasn't exactly a banner day for the offense. They went to Pittsburgh and Cleveland, and Goff was banged up, and Boyle started, and they didn't really throw the ball at all. So there's definitely some progress. I think you need to see some more consistency there across the board, but there's definitely been some progress, and I think especially with what we were talking about here, just sort of the way that they're using folks, and that's without – 
Swift out of the lineup. Maybe that's why they're yeah. using St. Brown the way that they are. You know, maybe well that forced be. them to do that. But um, I think that that's been the most noticeable thing for me. Like you run, you run that play, the touchdown pass to St. Brown. Um, and it just, it looks, as we've said, you know, like it looked like they knew what that defense was going to be. They said, where can we take advantage right. of it? Exactly. And here's, here's the guy that we can get the ball to. And so that's the type of thing that when you see that start to develop, uh, they clearly had, I think have yeah. a better feel for what they can and can't do now than they did two months ago. And right. Some of that's the weapons. Some of that's the play calling. I do think really, I, I I know we keep coming back to him every week, but I do think like that was, was that be- Goff's best game oh, yeah. here? Smoothest, like he, for sure. That's what I wrote. Smoothest, smoothest, yeah, that's fair. Smoothest game as a lion. Like there was no problems, right? Like, I don't know. Did he have any real, he didn't have a pick. He didn't, did he fumble at all? No. I mean, he had a couple that were like kind of dangerous throws, yeah. maybe one or two that could have been picked. But yeah, I mean, I think I most mean, for of the most was... part, he kept them out of trouble. Like that's what we've talked about all season. And like, before we get, before I go into Goff, like, I also wanted to note again, like Anthony Lynn, we talked about this back in like May, the work that he did to install the run game, which by the way, is one of like the, one of the better ones in terms of an emerging, I mean, they just ran for a hundred and whatever yards with Craig Reynolds last night or yesterday. Okay. Like their run game is real good. And Anthony Lynn's hands are all over that. And I think that it's been like, and the more I've thought about it, it's, it's like, this might be more about Campbell. Obviously, I still think that we've th- we've talked about that this whole time. Like, he wants Lynn involved more with, like you said, the game planning and the run game, and give me a guy with the pass game that can sort of like find specialty things here and there in matchups. Maybe that's not what Lynn wants to do going forward. I don't know, but I think that's how Campbell wants business to be conducted as they go forward. Overall, though, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to sort of look at this whole situation and not sort of wonder. I guess is this going to be you know, Campbell with Ben Johnson and maybe like Deuce Staley or maybe something like that. I don't know. But like, those are things that I, I guess I would, I would think about. But yeah, golf. I, I mean, this was his best and smoothest and cleanest game. Probably. I think we could say um, most comfortable, most confident. Definitely looks like he's more confident than he's been at any point this year. Uh, and I think that too has been something that we have to point to is like, it seems like Ben Johnson or whomever is finding uh, you know, some past concepts that golf is pretty good at or likes a lot, right? Like, I think that that we've seen that show up a lot too, even when they haven't played so well as a team, I think in these yeah. last couple of weeks. And I think that you can say for sure, I think in a lot of people's minds, and I would say this, like, are people more comfortable now with maybe the idea of golf being the starting quarterback all the way through next year? I don't know. Maybe more than they were three weeks ago, but like, I don't know if comfortable is right where, <laughs> like, he's definitely <laughs> playing better. So it's not nothing. I do think. At the picking up Josh Reynolds off waivers changed something for him, at least from a mentality standpoint. Because yeah. he would like all, th- as I said, to, we, yeah. we watched them in July and August, and they were doing a lot of creative stuff with St. Brown. And then Tyrell Williams was their guy, sort of deep and over the middle. Like Goff was pretty, seemed pretty comfortable with him. And they lost Tyrell Williams almost immediately and never really replaced him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cephas. Did a nice job, and then he got hurt. But he's a different type of receiver than Tyrell Williams, too. So they never really had a guy that was like that, that was that guy. And now you bring in Josh Reynolds, and over these four games, these past four, he's been really good, really steady. Like, if you stretch out what he's done over those four games for an entire year, it's like a 1,000-yard pace, 1,100-yard pace. I mean, he's clearly got a comfort zone. I mean, he's a guy who can get out there and win in those spots, even if, you know, maybe he's not a all pro type guy, he can be your X or your Z or whatever you want him to be out there and move the ball. So I think that that has been a big pickup too. And I kind of go back to what Campbell said. I don't know how long it was ago, two months ago when someone asked him if you could judge golf on what's going on this year. And he said, Mm -hmm. I don't think you can because we don't have enough around him right now. And now, You've got right. some stuff around him, and he was like offensive player of the week. He's up for another award this week. <laughs> like yeah. you're starting to see it click a little bit. And without so, Swift, without TJ, I feel like if they had any any leaning toward Goff as being a guy who could help them win, these last few weeks are only going to further sure. cement that in. They're going to look at this, look at what happened Sunday, and say, I mean, that's what he could do. That's what yeah. you're getting. If we 
put in a good game plan and we protect him. Right. He, yes. He can do that. 100%. And so I don't know if that's a good or bad development. Well, I think that's a good one because like here now, we've talked about this last couple of weeks. If it becomes a question of, you know, eat his eat the dead money in January because you can't take it one more day or like hey, maybe we can get through another year and see what happens. Because remember what we've talked about, the contract is now set up where you probably had to do it for two years, and then after that, you can reasonably make a decision. Maybe this gives you more of a chance to pull that off. I don't know if it guarantees that you can do that. And I still wouldn't rule out that you have, you know, don't have to address quarterback this offseason via, either via the draft or something else. But, you know... What's that number? Thirty something million dollars. If it was real bad for a couple weeks there earlier in the season, where it was like you can't go on with this. If it's like this next, you have to cut him. That you know, and and it's not like that anymore. So to Campbell's point, to your point, like you just said, you know, I think that that is a big deal because if it's if it saves you money and allows you to, um, just not eat Goff's contract and keep that money on board, add all the draft picks with the comp picks that you saved from last year, maybe go out even and spend some of that. I don't know. Heaven forbid. Right? <laughs> like, And you just upgrade right. your talent. Yeah. And then who knows? And you're not married to Goff. It's still the same as it was the day he got here and you restructured it. You're still not married to him beyond the two years. Right? So I do think that's a big deal. I think this gave them the ability to add more value to their team this offseason without having to worry about, do we have to dump Goff's contract and eat $38 million because he's so bad? Like, he can't tie shoes and take a snap, right? <laughs> like, So that's off the table, it seems like, anyway, to me. I don't think... I think I'd be surprised if they cut Jared Goff this winter or yeah. summer or whatever, right? Like, But a couple weeks ago, I don't think I, I would have been surprised if the season ended then, right? So, I don't know. Do you disagree on that? I mean, you've been more on the camp that he's never going anywhere anyway. But... <laughs> right. Maybe just, I'm too much on the other <laughs> side, but like that's how I look at it. Yeah, I just even when it was at its worst, and I think we both came to a point where we were saying what you said, like you just can't. This is untenable. You can't keep can't doing do this. It. For, yeah, like, you right. can't just do this. But I even at that point, it was, you keep, I kept coming back to the contract and saying, "Well, I don't know what they do. I don't know how yeah. to get out of this besides just right. they're used completely to it. pulling yeah, a plug right. without a quarterback <laughs> behind him, and then you you know." Right. You're sort of in the same spot, uh, except with $30 million less right. to work with. So I always thought he was going to be here for next year. I certainly think the way this has trended towards the end of the year here, mm-hmm. you'd feel – I don't know that you'd feel good coming back in <laughs> April, May, June with him as locked in as your number one, but you'd feel better than you did would have in sure. October. Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> um, better. Yeah, that's a good way Especially if you draft a receiver and – Right, re-sign Josh Reynolds and bring in another. Like I, I think you could make this work to some extent. If the run game's going to be like this, sure. a lot of quarterbacks could have success back there too. You're damn so. right. <laughs> then I mean, like, let's just. Well, now that you mentioned it, let's just set that out. If you draft a receiver who can play, and you come back next year, and your team reasonably, I think we can reasonably project what it would more or less be. You would have St. Brown. Reynolds or someone like Reynolds, a draft pick, Hawkinson, Swift, and Jamal Williams, the same offensive line. And Craig Reynolds. (laughs) And Craig Reynolds. I can't forget about Craig. The same offensive line with or without Vita. I don't know what they're going to do there, but more or less the same thing, plus Ragnow back. Yeah. If if I don't tell you who the quarterback of that offense is, (laughs) you're like, that's a pretty good offense. So, yeah. I mean, I think that if he plays like this with all those guys back on the field – Okay, but like to your point, the pressure would then crank up. Of now we got to see it. So next year would be more of like a, you know, year of like you. I would think you'd want more pressure on Jared Goff next year as an organization, yeah. which leads me to wonder. Like again, I still don't think even when you bring him back, like you know, we'll talk about that another day. I'm sure the drafting, the quarterbacks, and everything else. But I don't think yeah. that's a the finished conversation yet. Well, so with Reynolds, I. I this is sort of the loop I got caught in last night thinking about this team. Cause I look at Josh Reynolds, I feel like is a guy you'd want to try to keep given how he's performed for you. <laughs> yeah, Jalen Reeves Mabin is a guy you'd want to keep is going to yeah. be a free agent. Charles Harris going to be a free agent, but you probably <laughs> would like yeah. to keep him. Jason Cabinda 
is not going anywhere. Nope. Dan Campbell will quit if he yep. leaves as a free agent. <laughs> he might move into Campbell's house, but other than that, like uh, <laughs> yeah. Tracy Walker, we've talked about. Like I, I don't know what that contract's gonna be, so that gets a little more complicated, but free agent mm-hmm. guy you'd like to keep. Um and you kind of go down this list. I mean, there's like a lot of guys. Eight or ten guys at Evan Brown. Uh yeah. It seems like Evan they Brown, like Josh sure. Woods. Um you know, there's a bunch of guys here. Anzalone, Khalif yeah. Raymond. Reeves Maven? You're a did bad Did you say team. him already? Like, yeah, yeah. I did say him. Yeah, okay. I think, like, they, I mean, I think like, they almost yeah. need to prioritize. For yeah. me, I don't know him that they'll see it this way. But I th- <laughs> right. I think I'd rather have Reeves Maven than Anzalone next year. I don't yeah, I know if they feel that way. Yeah, I um, But this is a bad team. <laughs> How... I guess, is it reasonable to keep that many guys from a bad team? Or are we just seeing this as like, these are the good players on a bad team. And so it's getting skewed. It's Does both. Does that make sense? Like It's, <laughs> it's both. And I will say why. Because Campbell said it yesterday in his uh, post game with the guys in the locker room. Like they're gritty. What do you call them? Like gritty, tough, whatever group. That's what they are. I mean, like they, there is a, you know, and that's why I think people have been hesitant. Even the coldest hearted of, uh, of those out there on uh, Twitter um, have been a little hesitant to just totally crap all over this team because they play so hard. Like all the guys, Jerry Jacobs getting hurt. Like before he got hurt, you saw how hard he played. He is far from the only one. Like that's been kind of their calling card. So, but at the same time, like you're saying, Chris, like you're not keeping AJ Parker over a better slot corner. You know what I mean? You're just not. So what I think happens, what you can do is you make, you know, uh, select, you know, I guess educated ads or, you know, ads, valued ads to the roster in areas that where you need it. And you see if those guys can outwork the guys that are currently there. And if they can, they can, if they can't, they can't, but like, that's where you start. And I think you look at it as like guys, like you just mentioned off the top, like Charles Harris. Yeah. He's back. You're not going to, he's going to be in the equation one way or the other. Maybe some of the, some of the other guys will see, but you're at least you're will seeing on them maybe more than you would have been in another situation. But I do think there's a lot more guys on this team that have earned a deeper look into next offseason than we would have originally thought, for sure. I just don't know how many. But I think they're in a situation to have really good competition in the summer and then in next camp. I think next camp, if they draft really well and bring back like most of these guys for at least camp, like that would be an entertaining training camp to watch for those of you who like watching people get after it in the summer. Uh, because like I think that they could have a really competitive environment with a lot of young guys kind of going at each other. And I think that's kind of what they'll probably look to do. Yeah. I just sort of curious. I mean, I think that there's something to be said too for, but you're not going to like, take a job from some of these guys, right? Like over their dead body. Like, so like right, that's, I think right. kind of, yeah, right. And like a lot of these guys have Josh Reynolds talked about it uh, after the game. Like a lot of these guys have been waiting for chances. Like this staff exactly. is giving them, you know, right. Josh Reynolds said, like I've been waiting my whole NFL career to be in this role. Basically, yeah, and he's not and that's a, he's five not a years anymore either. Exactly, uh, yeah. he's twenty-seven, and same with you know uh, Charles Harris was a guy most of the league had given up on because mm-hmm. he was a first-round pick and flamed out right away. And the Lions brought him in here and said, "Just go rush the passer for us." And now right. he's got seven and a half sacks. Had an awesome and, year, yeah. Uh, and Reeves Maben, even within this team like the previous regime did not value him the way he should have been valued but he came back here because the lions told him we want you on special teams we've got a role for you at linebacker and so i think that that like hometown discounts are don't really no exist people talk about them all the time and they don't really exist but i think there's something to be said for giving a guy a chance like this and then telling him we still want you here um and whatever the money works out as it works out as, but I think that there's something to be said for giving those opportunities and guys taking them and then them feeling maybe a little bit more loyalty to the situation because Mm -hmm. that's where it clicked for them finally. So maybe that happens too. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like it could, it's not going to make or break you necessarily to lose any of those names. Maybe Tracy, Tracy Walker would hurt the most, I think, but I don't know that you know, three, four years from now, you're rebuilding. Right. Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree gone off course because Reeves Maven left right. after 2021. Right. But it's better than a guy off the street, though. Yeah, you need. Yeah. You, I think you still need a lot of these guys back just because mm-hmm. you've made them part of your foundation now. And yeah. so, I don't know. I feel like if well, you yeah, they protect your pieces, culture too. You know, yeah, like, like right. you're saying. I mean, like Jalen, 
Reeves Maven, like, apart from clipping up his tape and sending a copy of it to Matt Patricia's office and uh, <laughs> in the annex He's- of Belichick's office <laughs> in New England um, about, you know, how to stop the run at however many pounds he was. Uh, apart from that, like, he's a guy who can protect and cultivate and further along your culture. The good news, the best news for the Lions is that they drafted yeah. um, for culture this year, too. And all of the guys they drafted that we've talked to this year would qualify in that category. All of them are guys where, you know, football means a ton. They were all incredibly grateful to the Lions for giving them an opportunity. And they all work their asses off. So you, I don't think are going to have a big, big, you know, predisposed issue with that. But like, like Chris, you're saying, like, you would rather have a guy like, I think Reeves Maben as your sort of veteran presence in a room over a guy off the street that might be a little bit better and have a slightly better 40 time or whatever, you know, like that kind of thing. Like if it's all equal, I'd rather have him. And I think that that's what, you're now in a situation to have, when we talked about your standard performance and things like this, they're now in a situation to have that, where you guys that have guys that have a little ownership here too of this place, like Charles Harris busted his ass all year to get out there and, and be part of this and do part of this and have, and you know, they'll probably have to pay him, but if you pay him and bring him back, then he's part of this, just like Romeo would be and just like all the rest of those guys. So you're finding guys who you grew and you, the homegrown guys, you know, and it doesn't just happen through the draft. I think that's important to note. Charles Harris, we've talked about that all year. He didn't even have a great camp, I don't think. Right? No, he, he didn't. didn't. Like, but he was one of the first guys they signed this offseason in the winter. One of the first. I don't even know. If, I think Campbell had just gotten hired. One of the first waves of signings with Holmes and Campbell was Harris, and they stuck with him the whole way and said, like you said, just carved a roll out for him. Let's go with it. See what happens. And here you go. Poof. At the end of the year, it's just like with last year with Romeo Court. You look up and you say you got a guy that's a legitimate football player. So. If you if you make those guys, you know maybe this is now their home as they as they see it because they were cast off by everywhere else except here and maybe they owe some you know they feel like I want to see this through as long as you're paying me right and you make sure you make those decisions the way that they need to be but yeah, yeah I think some of that is there more than it was certainly because it was not there at all obviously in previous years I don't know you would know more than I but I don't know the last probably since Caldwell's been around would you have guys that would have wanted to be here maybe when they've had another option somewhere else for sure yeah definitely Caldwell I mean Harris you're right like I they guaranteed his full contract which isn't that big it's it's less than two million dollars but that was if not for that I'm not sure when we were doing the roster projections I don't know if he would have been on there frankly he did not (laughs) have a great camp but yeah I think they stuck with him very good but yeah um and now you're yeah I think you're reaping the rewards of that I do think that Maybe that's something you even are willing to pay up for a little bit more when you talked about exactly. having some money to go spend. Maybe that's what you prioritize Could for be. another year or two is just making sure that the guys that you know and trust are staying here. So Charles Harris, mm-hmm. you're not going to get him for $1.75 million off a of 8, 9, 10 sack season. You're just that edge rushers yeah. are too valuable in this league. He's going to get a bump, but maybe you give him. Six mil, five million, six million, just to stay right. around and be part of this. Maybe give Reeves Maven, you or know, twenty five percent bump. Like, yeah, like I think like that, that you have to pay, and that's sort of the Tracy Walker discussion at its heart too. Like if he's going to really get one, yeah, nine or ten million a year, is he worth that much to your culture to keep him around? And I think that that's, like I said, that's the most interesting one for me because that's going to be the biggest jump in money um, from rookie contract he's making nine hundred thousand this year to mm-hmm. yes. nine million that's a significant right. jump so um but I, I do think that there are a lot of guys here that you'd like to get back and that that's why i asked you because i was like i said i was sort of going through these in my head it's like well this is too many guys they can't, <laughs> they right, can't yeah. keep this many guys <sighs> off this team no, it's no, not no, good no. enough but i do think like you can go through that list of names we mentioned and make an argument for all of them, I didn't even bring up Nick Williams is the guy that they love. Right. I mean, just to be there. Like, I think you're you're closer to having a competitive environment where you can start to grow your own guys. Because I think that's Campbell's plan. Like, all along, I think that's the long-term poems, too. I think it's just, you know, grow your own guys, grow them from here, yeah. fill your roster out with those guys, and then make the moves you have to make on top of that to polish it off. But always have a good football team. That's why, that's, that's how... Right? Like, that's how you always have a good team. Yeah. And I think that's that a that's, good point. 
Yeah, I think that's kind of how they go about it. And I think that as we look at it, you know, this year and into the next, you're at a spot where it's like you don't have to bring in rookies now. Like we were talking last year about, you know, they got to draft an inside linebacker and he's going to have to start. They don't have a choice. And obviously right. they got around it. And Barnes is starting, though, you know, I mean, more or less. But, like, they don't have to do that next year. They can draft a guy that maybe they like that they think isn't ready immediately. And they can take a little bit of a chance on that, I think. A little more than you would have. So I think all of it just helps you get better as a team and just help yourself challenge yourself and grow internally. And I think that's kind of what they're shooting for here, more or less. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Because I think that that... Like you don't have to sign Reeves Maven and Anzalone because Derek Barnes in theory will be one of those guys for right. you next year, right? Exactly. And like yeah. same thing on the edge. Like it's a little more uns- unsettled there because of the injuries and everything, but you'd like to see like maybe Austin Bryant is that guy for you or yeah. Julian Okora or is Julian, that guy right. for you. So I, I, that's a good point that, yeah, that you, maybe you can let some of these veterans go because you have the young guys coming up behind them. But right. I, I don't know. Some of these, like I said, I think it would hurt to lose a few of these guys more than I would have anticipated. Uh, yeah, I think it also like year. it also depends on who you bring in too, right? Like I think that if you were to let some guys go, it's fine. You know, I think that you can do it if you're bringing in guys who understand sure. the score. You know what I mean? Like you're sure. not going to be able to replace a Jalen Reeves maybe with a shithead. <laughs> like, you know, right. I think that right. that's, yeah. that is something that is, you know, probably needs to be taken into account if nothing else. I think that's maybe more of the the most important answer to any of these is like when they do have to kind of part with some of these guys because they will. Mm-hmm. It's like that guy's spot can't be taken by just a piece of shit. Like somebody who's just like a locker room just destructor or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, I don't see that happening, but yeah. All right. Uh, last thing here, because we got to get over to uh, Dan Campbell's virtual press mm. conference. Uh, your take on the crowd booing Matt Prater oh, God. on Sunday. <laughs> Well, I mean, <laughs> I, so let me get this straight. Prater, not that anyone would have known, but Prater wanted to stay in Detroit for a discount, and they were like, we're good. Isn't that more or less what happened? I don't know if it was for a discount. He oh, wanted okay. to stay, the and they wouldn't meet him. He wanted multiple years, and he wanted, I think, a little bit more than what they were offering. And <laughs> so he left and signed the whatever the car, whatever the Cardinals deal was is essentially what he wanted from the Lions, more or less. And they offered him... I think one year and less. No. They're try- we're trying to offer him one year and less than that, and so he he left. And now they've spent like two and a half million on nine kickers trying to replace him. But I um, thought it was very Detroit of the crowd, and I hope that Matt Prater, who has he been wanted here a long to stay, time, he loved it here. Still, his wife had a no company, lo- like a, a business running operating <laughs> hey, out of Metro Detroit. Like they Matt Prater is no longer a Detroit Lion, and I would hope that after many years of service. <laughs> He would understand that the reaction is if you're not with the Detroit Lions crowd, you are not part of the Detroit Lions crowd. I don't know, man. And I thought he was going to get a nice ovation. We are going to see. <laughs> when do the Rams... I mean, I guess we'll see. Would the Are the Rams due to come to Detroit next year? Nah, at all? Do no. Do we know I, this? I, I is that like a thing we would while, know? Yeah. I don't think they'd see him unless huh. they... I don't think they'll see him for... Well, a while yet. I don't know when is then. I don't. I don't they think just played the a, NFC one. Like everyone thinks it'd be a dunk that Stafford would get this amazing roar, and he probably maybe he would. I don't think it would be a slam dunk that Stafford would get a complete one hundred percent full throat of amazing roar. He's not on the team anymore. Now, if he was retired and comes back later, yes. Sure. But if he's on sure. another team, I don't know. This is still Detroit, so that was my reaction on that one. I Man. you can do whatever you want, I guess, but like I wasn't Man. shocked by it in the slight. I felt a little bad for him, but I wasn't shocked. By I it was in the shocked. Man. I, I was very surprised. I wasn't at all. You're not on the team anymore, Prater. You're on the other side. Get this guy. Yeah, if he kicks, yeah, no, I wasn't surprised. Not that at all. Pretty rough. Like I, there are certain guys. Like if. The first time Kenny Galladay plays in Detroit, I bet I'm sure (laughs) I think he'll get booed. But like Marvin Jones, I would expect to get if he ever comes back. I would think would get a nice ovation. Maybe it's different. Maybe people think of kickers differently. Maybe they think of Prater like as a kicker who wanted more money or something like that. They're like that is insane to a lot of the people in that building, right? Like because I think we would always hear too, you know, like damn Prater's making a lot of damn money to miss that kick. Like everyone (laughs) knew how much Prater was making. So I think that probably did, now that I'm thinking about it here, that probably played something to do with it. They're probably like, man, screw this guy. He was a kicker that wanted more money. 
Like, we go for it on Fork Down in this town. <laughs> Prater, get out of here. <laughs> also, Campbell not keeping Prater was 100% because he wanted to go for it on Fork Down all the time. Like, that's completely why that happened. We can now say that, right, with full confidence, I think, and he's... Uh, with with full hindsight, but yeah, Riley Patterson looks pretty good so yeah. far. So they might Hasn't have their new yet. kicker, right? Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> uh, Lions in Atlanta on the day it? after Christmas should be a gem. <laughs> Very depressed uh, crowd. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh man, there's gonna be like fifteen thousand people at that game. Wow. Uh, so as always, we'll be back next week. Uh, talk about that one. Um, see if the Lions can run it to two in a row, but also just kind of reset where things are with the draft order as we head into the final two weeks of the season because uh, you know i know that caught a lot of people's attention as the lions won and bumped from number one to number two and so uh from that aspect there's a lot at play here over the final right. couple weeks so uh, we'll get into that a little bit next week too so make sure you get over to the athletic.com get a subscription if you hadn't already you can get our show ad free on the app otherwise we're on spotify google play apple Podcasts, wherever you listen Uh, Thanks to everyone who has been listening and subscribe, rated, review us. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon.